guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This week's episode is sponsored by Unrooted, a young and exciting brand who are passionate about the environment and promoting a healthy way of life. Unrooted is a drinks brand with a range of five vegan shots and they use Baobab at the center of all their products. The names of their delicious drinks are Baobab Boost with Baobab Lemon and Passion Fruit, ACV Defense with Apple Cider Vinegar, Ginger, Spirulina and Coconut Water, Mighty Ginger with ginger, chili, and pineapple. Pom Passion with pomegranate and cinnamon, which is actually my favorite. And CBD with cucumber and mint. Unrooted works alongside communities and organizations in Zimbabwe and South Africa to support sustainability, employment, and education. And all their shots are available on delivery if you're in Whitechapel or Battersea. The shots are available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett, Selfridges, Planet Organic, and more. You can follow them on Instagram at Unrooted Drinks, Facebook at Unrooted Drinks, and check them out at unrooteddrinks.com. If you would like to place an order, you can use code FORKING20 for a 20% discount on their website. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. Today, it is just Sophie and I. We're doing a bit of a different kind of episode. We're going to talk about how nutritionists and dietitians make money or essentially like what our career journey has been, um, kind of. Yeah, because as well, we have so many students follow us and I think it's such a big kind of world when you've studied nutrition for three to four years or five years or whatever it was and then you come out and you're like okay how do I make money what do I do how do I apply for jobs because there's so many different scopes of work and it is tough to get a job as a nutritionist it is really tough and I think it's almost one of those things where like we're very lucky in the field of nutrition that we can do so much like Mm -hmm. we are actually so qualified to do a range of different things, which is great, but it's almost like it's really daunting when you start because you're like, well, I don't know where to start or I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. And even with, I know you're registered BDA, but with AFN, there's like five different categories that you have to kind of place yourself in. And it could be food science, you know, animal nutrition, public health, sports science. So you can't just come out and be like, oh, I've got all these options. You do kind of need to tailor yourself and your niche and yeah yeah and that can always change right so like you can start doing one thing and you can yeah once you've got the foundation exactly but I think it's also like there's a lot of like do you have a full-time job do you work for yourself do you do freelance alongside with it like there is actually so much that you can do um so I guess we can just like should we start by saying like a bit about how we started and like what we did to get us to where because our our day-to-day jobs are like very very different yeah and I feel like there's a lot of people on social media now who look at people like us or you know other nutritionists or dietitians in the space and be like oh I'll just work for myself and come out and do what they're doing and it's really not that easy at all and it's not as kind of glorified as maybe we know how it is either <laughs> yeah exactly and I'll talk about kind of like my thoughts and feelings on that when I go through yeah my you session. start because your, your journey is actually really interesting. It will help a lot of people, actually. 
Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. So um, I actually started working, well, when I passed my RD exam in America, um, I started working for a hospital as a clinical dietitian, um, which was great. So I was seeing patients, inpatient on just like a really general like med surge ward. So I was seeing people coming out of surgery or just really just in there for like a wide range of things like um, pancreatitis or um, kidney failure, type two diabetes. Maybe they just got out of surgery and they're recovering from a hip replacement. So it was like a very clinical wide range. It was a small hospital. So like it was, it, I did a bit of everything, if that makes sense. Um, and then I was also like working um, at a private practice clinic under another dietitian. And I was just um, doing like a few patients there just in my free time kind of thing. And Can then- I ask, when, yeah. sorry, was that your intention? You were like, I want to be a dietitian to work in a hospital? Um, no, no, I actually like, so you just fell into it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like what everyone does in America when you qualify, like it's really hard. Like you just automatically get your first job at a hospital, Mm -hmm. um, just because that's kind of what's available. Um, I don't know why that, I mean, like, I think there's quite high turnover in a lot of hospitals for dietitians, if I'm honest. Um, so it's a lot of the times that that's the availability and people accept newly qualified dietitians, like they'll have specific openings for newly qualified dietitians. But when I was in school, I've always loved nutrition and health. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot, like science and all that mm-hmm. stuff that I genuinely love, but, you know, I'm a fainter. And <laughs> when we did some of our I love uh, it when you say that <laughs> it's just how I identify and I just picture you in this lab with like you know people injecting themselves and then you like Barry's just on the floor but it's so accurate like the way you've just described it is actually what happened so like I always knew that I couldn't be a nurse or a doctor because I don't like needles I faint at blood I'm really really bad with that stuff and um So I fainted in a few modules in undergrad, learning about different disease types. I fainted in my hospital rotation, doing my dietetic internship. Um, They also made us sit in on a PEG placement, which is like, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a percutaneous endoscopic, um, oh God, gastronomy, gastrostomy, gastronomy, gastrostomy, I think. Oh God, it's been a while since I've done that. Um, And basically what it is, it's a tube feed. Um, So it doesn't go through your nose or your mouth. So it's just the one placed in your stomach. It's for more long-term tube feedings. Mm -hmm. And they made us sit in on the surgery for how it's placed because I was the one prescribing all the tube feed orders. Um, So they're like, oh, you should know how it's done. Like fainted on the floor. Yeah, no, I can. Yep gone down for the count. I don't think I'd faint. I think I just have a panic attack. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my fainting, like I feel anxiety first. Like I feel anxious first and I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack and then I just fall down. So, or I'm so experienced. I like lay myself down. Cause like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm going down. (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) bruise. one time I fainted at a bar because I was having a conversation with this girl and she was telling me about the story of like someone was ill or something like that and I was like too polite because I didn't really know her and I didn't know why she was telling me the story in the first place but I was literally like holding a glass of beer and I was like I'm just gonna sit down I'm still listening to your conversation like I'm still listening but I'm just gonna put my head down and my friend are like Barry's down (laughs) anyways I didn't want to be clinical 
Um, but it was what was available. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I always thought I wanted to do private practice, which I really did enjoy for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't think I wanted to do clinical, but that was kind of just like what I fell into in the beginning. And so I was doing that for a while, seeing patients privately. I then applied for my, so I was doing that probably like three months. Um, then I applied for my master's, moved over here. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, where did, I guess from our graduation, I started, I was in a really weird place though with visas. So like, mm. I don't know if my journey is like, like it's not going to be the same as a lot of people just because I was limited on how many hours I was allowed to work and where I was allowed to work because I was on a student visa at the time and then I had to reapply for like a non-married partner visa very complicated but basically I was in this like weird limbo place where I wasn't actually allowed to hold a full-time job so what I did is I just started working for myself because that is kind of what you see on Instagram like I was gonna say I feel like you kind of wanted to experiment with that and it gave you the opportunity to experiment with it yeah definitely it was like well I might as well do it because it's the perfect opportunity because I wasn't allowed to do like a clinical like job because my visa Mm. didn't permit it so um I started working for myself I started seeing clients uh virtually all telehealth oh my god I forgot you had clients as well yeah I I really enjoyed it But then the more, I know this sounds so bad. I did it for probably like a year and a half seeing clients. I actually stopped seeing clients when we were writing the book. Um, So like not that Mm -hmm. long ago. Um, I really do enjoy it, but I also found it quite draining. Um, And that's not to say it was the the clients that were draining me. It was just the type of work. Like, Mm. I don't know how to explain it, but it, with food, it's so emotional and it really like when you're passionate about something, you get really invested in it, don't you? Mm-hmm. So like a lot yeah, of the yeah. time I was really, really trying my hardest to help people. And I just found that I'd walk away from those situations and it would kind of deplete me. It didn't like give me energy. And now in my job, we talk a lot about things like what are the type of day-to-day activities that give you energy and what are the type of things that deplete you? And we should be doing more things that give us energy and the things that we don't enjoy. It's we need to find a way to get around that. And that's something that my manager is really great at helping me with now. So like when I reflect back on that, like I am glad that I kind of pivoted because as much as I enjoyed and I love seeing clients make like amazing, you know, shifts in their health. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, it just wasn't right for me. Yeah. And I think that's quite a scary, daunting thing for people to admit when they've done all this education and they see everyone else doing this and you're like, well, why am I not enjoying it? Mm. It's, it's hard actually to, to come to terms with that with myself. I felt like I was failing or like, I just felt like it was like something just wasn't working. And I mean, also I just didn't like working by myself alone. It's, it's not a very social opportunity, is it? Yeah, and I think because you'd moved over here, obviously, to be with Mark. 100%. You haven't, like, you haven't got mom around the corner. Like, we live pretty far away. Like, we can't just clap in. Like, you didn't have, like, that friendship group around the corner kind of thing. And, yeah, you're right. It is lonely. And, again, that is something that a lot of people don't like to admit. Yes, exactly, because it's, like, glorified. Like, oh, 
you've made it when you like work for you're yourself. You're on your own. Yeah. Like you're out there doing and it on your own. For a lot of people, that's true. And for a lot of people, that's not true. Like mm. it just didn't. Yeah, exactly. I moved over here, left like an amazing group of friends and family um, to come live here. And I didn't want to sit in my flat all day talking to screens. It just mm-hmm. wasn't, I mean, ironically, that's kind of what I do now, but um, <laughs> COVID, <laughs> but um it just wasn't what was a right fit for me personally. Um, and so I decided to search for jobs. I knew that I didn't really like working in a hospital. I would have done it. Like I applied to a few hospital jobs yeah. and I had interviews and stuff like that. I was, I was actually almost about to do like a locum um, outpatient eating disorder dietitian role um, before I took the job at Second Nature. So then it was our path. Um, And I worked as a digital health coach, so helping people build healthy habits and um, manage, well, not help manage their type 2 diabetes, but we worked with people who had type 2 diabetes and helping them manage their healthy lifestyle, I should say, like we Mm -hmm. weren't dealing with medication and stuff like that. Um, And I worked there for a year in that position and I was doing recipe development um, and stuff and that. And then I actually transitioned into the marketing team. And I feel like I'm in this really interesting role right now where I have the inside knowledge of what people are looking for in terms of like their blockers, their barriers, their motivations for, you know, making healthy lifestyle changes and actually sticking to it and then wanting to improve their like overall life. And then being in the marketing side, how can we translate that with my knowledge as a dietitian, with the experience that I have, but now almost working out how can we make sure that we're captivating the right audience or telling our story in a way that is empathetic and we're not just a company that's being like, here's your 12-week program, because mm-hmm. that's that's not what it is. Um, so I, I really like it. It's very creative. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I stopped seeing clients about a year ago, so I've been in this marketing role for a year And then obviously on the long side of it, we do a podcast. I do freelance recipe development for brands. I have my Instagram. Um, We wrote a book. So on top of all of that, I feel like I've just spoken for like 10 minutes straight and I hate the sound of my voice. So I'm going to pass it over to you in a second. Um, But like in a very short amount of time, I've worked as an outpatient dietitian, an inpatient dietitian in America. Um, I've worked in private practice. I've worked in like digital coaching or digital nutrition. Um, I now work in marketing on Instagram as a freelancer, a podcaster and an author. So quite done a lot, but I've also like realized what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. And I think like, I was going to say, do you, because like, like as nutritionists and dietitians, we kind of have to keep evolving our knowledge and our practice and I guess being that you're in a marketing role you wouldn't necessarily be like oh Barry's Barry's like a marketing manager she's not a dietitian kind of thing but like you just said like we've written a book we do this podcast as part of your registration with the BDA you have to keep up with I don't know what the rules are for BDA I think they're similar to the AFM but you know CPD um x amount of hours every year or month or whatever it is yeah um so yeah, and I do think, I mean, I'll get on to mine in a bit, but there was a point where I was like, 
you kind of sit and you're like, am I a proper nutritionist or dietitian? Because <laughs> you're like, this job is like, is it what I thought it was going to be? Do you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm really fortunate that the company I work for like staffs over like 50 nutritionists and dietitians and they are amazing at CPD opportunities. Mm. Um, so even though I am like in the marketing team, I'm able to take part in all of that CPD and one of the nutritionists on our team puts together this like amazing CBD calendar. So we all have access to it and we all like will feed each other articles or talks or webinars that we go to, et cetera. Um, so I'm in a really unique position. I'm not saying that like every nutritionist and dietitian can work as a marketer, mm-hmm. um, but it's just the unique company that I work for where my like skills led me to what I enjoy, but I, I'm able to keep on to all of that because the type of company I work for Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you are not enjoying the CPD side of things, because it is a lot, we do need to do a lot every year, then maybe the, like the job isn't for you because I actually love staying up to date with, you know, the emerging research and making sure I'm up to date and I can, I, I'm sure you do as well. Like feel this sense of responsibility that like we should know the new information that we can even not necessarily online or on social media, but just like when you're having conversations with people, you're able to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. I think it's kind of like why we started the podcast because we just always talk about it, wouldn't we? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, I, and then, yeah, this podcast keeps me like one foot in one door, one foot in the other. And like, I love nutrition. Like, don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong. Like it is my passion, but sometimes when your passion becomes your job, sometimes you can be a bit more unmotivated where now that I'm doing something else in my day-to-day job, even though it's very similar, I'm almost like more motivated to do stuff in my personal time to like enhance my nutrition. And like this podcast is the, like, it it gives me like life. I don't know. Like I was going to say, we're we're so lucky to have the amount of variety we do in our career. Yeah. And again, that's not for everyone. Like I I juggle a ton. And for a lot of people, (laughs) that's like, we, I swear we've been cr- like cruising along for like the past year and a half since starting this podcast, kind of not even knowing how we are managing to do No, it. I don't know. We have two amazing interns and they keep us afloat. Yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like that's not for everyone. Like mm. people don't, some people don't just like want to work nine to five, mm-hmm. come home after work, have dinner and live their yeah. life. Um, And that's, absolutely fine you know that's I know what- I want to get that message across as well just because we're you know we're doing something independent it does not mean we're more successful than someone who is in a nine-to-five job loving that version of their life 100 it's not a measure like the amount of hours you work per day is not a measure of your success yeah um and so for me this works but it's not for everyone yeah. and I think it's so 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 important what I want to make sure people understand is that like, you have to figure out what works for you Mm. and what makes you happy. And if you're doing something because you see someone else doing it or doing something like that's what the role requires kind of thing. Yeah. Then change. Like Mm. it is a very, very long life. You don't want to be stuck doing something that you don't enjoy. Yeah. All right. I'm handing over to you because I literally just spoke for an hour. No, it's um, so interesting though. Cause I, again, I just think that will help so many people be like, oh, okay. It's okay to not kind of come out of uni and be like, have it all figured out. And like you said, you've done so much in such a short period of time. And finally you're like, yeah, this, this for me, but you never would have come out of the masters and been like, I want to use my knowledge to be in a marketing role. No, you never, never. Ever would have said that. Never, never. 
Um, and yeah, who's to say like, I can always go back to nutrition. Cause I like, yeah, keep you up with my get a job in a hospital tomorrow if you want to. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm not worried about that. I could always go back. I just like really enjoy being in tech and using my skills. It's very unique. I really enjoy it. Um, but again, not for everyone. Some people mm-hmm. want to use their nutrition degree and write peg to feeding scripts and that's fabulous. We need people to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's amazing. It's just, yeah, just identifying your strengths and your weaknesses, what makes you happy and what doesn't. And you're not going to know that the day you, you graduate. Yeah, definitely. When, um, when I was like studying, I was like, definitely want to be a registered nutritionist. I was just on this mission to work with clients. I was like, that's all I want to do. Like my, I want my full-time job to be like working with clients day in, day out. Like, because of my history and relationship with food, I was like, I really want to help other people. Like, I know I can do that. Um, and I see so many other nutrition students in that mentality as well. They're like, I want to help people have a healthy relationship with food and I want to work with clients and it looks like the best job ever. Um, but like Barry said, it is so draining and I don't know any dietitian or nutritionist who works privately with clients every single day because yeah. I just think your mental health would be not good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So when you graduated you knew you wanted to work for clients and that is what you do. So like, yeah, you stuck with that. It's weird though, because it's probably like 15% of my job. Yeah. Like it, it's quite small. Um, and I, I love it that way. And like you said, like I do love working with clients, but I need to put my mental health first as well and make sure that the, the clients that I do have, I'm showing up for them in the best way possible. And they're getting the most out of me. Whereas if I was like spreading myself too thin and I have so many clients every week, I wouldn't be as good of a practitioner. So yeah, when I came out of uni, um, I, like like I said, was on a mission, wanted to work with clients. Um, hounded, I think I've probably told the story a few times, but like hounded Rhiannon Lambert, who's now a good friend of mine and my mentor still, um, because she was working with clients and quite a lot of clients as well, actually. I don't know how she did it. Um, but yeah, so she, um, I took on an internship with her and then eventually um, she employed me and trained me up in clinic to work with clients because we don't get training as well to work with clients. And that's why I think it's so confusing because nutritionists and dietitians were like, they're all like, oh, I want to work with clients, but we get no training for it. So everyone freaks out when they come out of uni because they're like, well, how do I work with clients when I have all this knowledge, but I don't necessarily know how to apply it? Like, yeah. So everyone's on a mission to find another dietitian or nutritionist that they can shadow. It's a bit different in America that you do get modules about yeah. working with clients privately, um, which is, do you? yeah, we had like um, in uni, my undergrad, we had a few like motivational interviewing classes and just like the, the assessment. So like um, there's four stages in like when you see a client and like, um, they used to be like called ADINE notes and there's four stages. And the first one is assessment, diagnosis, blah, blah. And um, yeah, we would go through like mock mm. client sessions. Yeah. So I did further training, but it was um, accredited by the BPS, which is the British Psychological Society. So it wasn't even like for nutritionists. It was kind of, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, when I, I would see Rhiannon literally like, booked out in clinic like a full two days a week which again is a lot of clients so if you're seeing clients for two days I think yeah it it was a lot and I was like oh my god that's my dream like I want to be booked out that much and 
you know, the more clients that came in, I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I've got so many clients. And then like by the end of the month, I'd be like, oh my God, like I'm so mentally drained. Um, and then I was also doing a lot of other stuff for retrition at the time. Um, and I knew I wanted to work for myself. Like that is all, always something I wanted to do. And I just had that moment where I was like, okay, I am a nutritionist because I'm working with all these clients. But then on the other side, I'm doing a lot of stuff for another company and I want this to be me, if that makes sense. Um, so Rhiannon's always been super supportive. And, you know, I did eventually leave. I still work with clients under her clinic, but I decided that I was going to have to take a bit of a financial cut, I guess, mm-hmm. and because, you know, I don't know how much money I'm going to make on my own. But I was like, if I don't do it now, I'm going to continue to make money in a job that isn't doesn't feel right for me long term. Plus, I just studied for literally like five years and I was like, I need to like get on with my life. Um, so, yeah, I went on my own with the intention of working with brands and trying to make money on my own. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't get is like they see not that I have like a huge following at all. I'm very aware of that. But people see that I have a following on social media and they're like, oh, she has a following. So people come in and want to work with her and she makes money kind of thing. It's really not like that at all. And at one point I had like five followers and it's something that you have to invest in and, you know, show up for yourself and show up for other people. And you're almost working without knowing if it's going to make you money. And it's like when you, it's even things like I used to go to events in London and by the time I pay for my train ticket and like my lunch up there, I'd be out of pocket, but you never know who you're going to meet at one of those events that might, you know, offer you some kind of work or, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something I want to put out there is that like it, it is you, you do need to hustle and I yeah. still hustle. I'm definitely I'm in a better position than I was. But, you know, even last year, you know, particularly when the pandemic hit, I was like desperate I was like oh my god like I need to like re go out and look for work and I was like is this company gonna survive like it was really tough and it's never I think what people see is they're like oh they've made it and it's never I don't think anyone's ever made it because you have to keep working hard you know what I mean once you feel like that you become like complacent I think yeah and then it's like where do you go from there yeah so So what is your day-to-day work look like because you do so like you have a really wide range of responsibilities Mm. under Sophie's Healthy Kitchen so like what is that actually for everyone like what what are some of the day-to-day things that you do so pre-pandemic I actually really miss this type of work I used to do a lot of like product development days with brands where I'd I got to go like all over the country I went to like different places in Europe and I would work with certain brands do it like if they were coming out with a new product I would consult for the day or across two days I even did some work at like the Cadbury factory and like literally like made my own chocolate to take up for the day I was like oh my god I'm not like this much of a recipe developer (laughs) that's your dream job yeah literally oh my god I spent the whole day eating chocolate um (laughs) and then I literally got back to London and went straight to Planet Organic and got just I was like give me the greenest smoothie you've got inject it yeah literally um so and I loved that like I said I got to work with so many different great teams of people and it was so much fun um and I don't actually know when I'll go back to that because obviously like we're still recovering from the pandemic and 
I've got a baby on the way. Yeah. So that's probably like a part of my job that was really fun. And I probably won't do again for a while, but who knows? Um, and then I tend to see clients one to two days a week. I try and keep that. I don't like having like five in a week all on different days. So I try and keep my clients to one to two days a week. Um, just going and- back to the client thing real quick, just like paint the picture for people mm. in terms of hours for clients and people yeah. who have full-time jobs and they want to see what does that look like on the day that you take clients? Like, what are your out like how As in what late hours do I work with them? Yeah. I just think it's important to paint a picture for people that like, just because yeah, you're so, seeing clients doesn't mean you're like nine to five seeing clients. All right. Yeah. So I used to work on Saturdays with clients because people work and it was just easier. Um, and then sometimes Monday evenings, particularly when we were in clinic again, cause like more people are available. No one's available in like the nine to five hours when they've got their own job kind of thing. Um, and then Friday mornings. Um, but now I have, Tuesday mornings that I do Monday or Tuesday mornings um, and then Wednesday evenings so you do have to be flexible yeah with your timings I don't I don't do clients on the weekend anymore unless there's like a special circumstance and you know it's the only time they can do but most people are happy to do it after work but again that's me staying up late then because I've got to do the session and then type up the notes exactly yeah Yeah. so just because you're seeing clients doesn't mean that it, it's not as glamorous as people always it's really think. not no it's really not and like you at the end of a session I'll be like that was so amazing like I've seen so much progress but I'm like oh my god like that was tough as well like so, not all the time you know not all not every client is the same but like you said food is really emotional and sometimes a lot of the time they're working with a psychologist as well and that just goes to show how emotional it is because I can't you know be held accountable for everything in regards to their relationship with food but yeah it, it is tough and it is mentally draining and I'm definitely not picky but I'm careful about how many clients I take on at a time yeah and I think that's so important to highlight um because even when we record podcasts like I'll be like oh should we do it like this night at like seven you're like oh I have a client yeah. and I think it just goes to show that you know time when you work for yourself is like a foreign concept (laughs) literally yeah I mean I I love the flexibility that I have and I'm very lucky because like if I want to book a dentist appointment at 12 noon I can kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. we can record our podcast at random points in the day as well or like you know flexible um but yeah it's I love my job enough to be willing that you know sometimes I will be up to like nine o'clock at night working sometimes I can finish at four exactly (laughs) exactly Yeah, yeah yeah I just think it's important to paint that picture for people yeah um so besides working with clients um... yeah so um so yeah so the brand consult the product development days brand consultancy stuff and then I would do a lot of online and then offline work as well so the online stuff is the stuff you see where it's like content creation recipe development public health campaigns with different foodie brands um so it can in terms of the social media stuff it can be either like more educational which I love but again you have to be so careful because what you decide to put your name to should be organic and should be ethical and don't just sell yourself out for the money yeah (laughs) um and or that could it could simply be like a recipe and I do love the recipe stuff because I'm such like a foodie anyway when I get to work with a brand that I literally just have in my kitchen it's I love that yeah same um and then 
other offline stuff could be corporate wellness talks um I used to do talks for schools as well which I absolutely loved like I literally love educating children um on food but again because the pandemic I haven't done that in ages um and more like behind the scenes stuff as well as again like public health campaigns that are kind of being led by other companies or organizations that I'm just consulting for yeah exactly I just think it shows like the variety of work that like you don't always see online and I think yeah that- Um, one of the things is when you have an Instagram account and that is part of your business, people assume that like you will post all things relating to your business, but that's not true. But also as well, like what I will say is that like, you'll know this as well. The amount of unpaid admin work it takes to run a business is ridiculous. Um, and there's like stuff when I am putting out just like random content on my page, that's kind of work too. Like I'm putting in time and effort to do that. 100%. I (laughs) I think, yeah. And you need to be like, go getter enough to be like, I'm going to invest in this and put it out there for the sake of it to help grow my business, you know, because if I were to just post nothing and only post things when I'm working, I wouldn't have much of a business. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Um, it is very time consuming. It's also very interesting. Like you don't need an Instagram account to be a nutritionist or dietitian, which I want to be clear. If that is something that you like, like 100%, I think both of us started it as not a business. Um, I literally was called the traveling dietitian and I moved to the UK and I was like, I'm going to travel Europe. um, I I used to post like a cake recipe every Sunday. I, I literally had this little blog because I used to bake every Sunday and I just wanted to share the recipe. And I exactly once a week. <laughs> so it's like we came at this from a very like organic, um, non work, but it turned into work, right? Yeah. But like you don't need an Instagram account or I you don't know, need followers to I was be- gonna say, I know so many successful nutritionists and dietitians who have been on TV or are running their own business and they've got like well under a thousand followers on Instagram. Exactly. Like honestly, please don't place your level of success based on how many followers you have on Instagram that is not how it works I completely agree but then also it is a great platform if you are trying to attract and work with brands or find new clients for example so I think that it's something that can be a great asset but you don't need it to be an asset which I think for people starting out they're like oh my god now I have to create this Instagram account like I get a lot of messages from people being like I just graduated I'm trying to start my own Instagram account do you have any tips or anything and it's I would just say like, it's not necessary. If you enjoy doing it, then go Mm. for it. It's very fun. I enjoy doing it. I love posting food. Um, I've been posting food on my page since like well before I was a dietitian. I I literally say like we've actually, and as well, like mine isn't necessarily overly nutrition based. It's kind of more of like a lifestyle wellness page. Um, So it isn't always, you know, like we both have websites as well. And I know someone who, doesn't have that many Instagram followers but has amazing success for success rate um like inquiry wise on through her website because she's optimized her website exactly so I think it's just like you have to decide like what you want to do or like what you like doing as opposed to figuring out like what other people are doing for success and then trying to mimic or recreate that yeah you're never going to feel like satisfied or like you're achieving anything if you're constantly trying to be like someone else and do exactly what someone else is doing Yeah, I totally agree. I think the other thing is when it comes to 
Instagram. Um, like I, I used to do a lot of educational posts and then I just started to just realize like, I, I just didn't enjoy doing it. Like I love being a dietitian. I love helping people, but my perception of the way I do it has really shifted. And again, it took like a long time for me to come to terms with this and being like, this is okay. Just because everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. something different doesn't mean that what I'm doing is wrong. But right now, the only thing I really enjoy doing is just like using my Instagram to post recipe inspiration for others. And I hope that inspires people to cook these delicious and diverse recipes. Whereas I don't need to do posts on, you know, IBS or posts on, I don't know, heart disease. And that's fine. There are people who do that out there. So if you're looking for that, that you can find that person, but I've actually decided I, I don't enjoy it. Same. And I think it goes back to what you said before. It's like when your passion is your work kind of thing. Cause like, obviously that is stuff we're interested in. We keep learning about and we love, but I don't want to talk about it on my Instagram page all the time. No, I want to come on the podcast and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually that's like another, like the podcast was like a perfect thing for both of us. Cause we're so passionate about educating and so passionate mm. about talking about health, but like maybe Instagram wasn't the platform that was like it for us for that, in that, yeah. in that sense. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I love this podcast. It's like literally like our passion project. I know. I love it too. And we've like met so many incredible people. We've learned from so many different people and professionals and it's like, it's like made our friendship stronger as well. It's, 100%. Yeah. I love it. I mean, we're business partners. Like, yeah, literally we wrote a book. We're connected. <laughs> we wrote <for> a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I really want to talk about, because I think it's important for people to hear because I don't hear people talk about it a lot are finances. And okay. I will be so transparent and open and say that part of me wanting to work for a company was for financial stability. Mm-hmm. It scares the shit out of me now to think that I would have to provide my income by myself like what you're doing scares me I'm not gonna lie look at you and be like I don't know how like you're amazing like I am just scared I think part of it is because I have so much student debt in America that I'm Mm -hmm. continually paying off and it's not like here in the UK where you make a certain amount of money and then you're you're eligible to pay back like you have to pay that shit back ASAP yeah um And financial instability really scares me. I don't know why. Um, I've, I don't know. I've seen my parents have a lot of money. I've seen my parents not have a lot of money. I don't know why that's just something that I am scared about. And so part of me, people are like, oh, like someone said to me at work the other day, like, how long are you going to be at Second Nature before you go off and do your own thing? Like, when are you going to make Barry the Dietitian your full-time job? And I'm just like, I don't think I ever will Yeah, because I still think that like financial security is just something that like, for me that I just need that. And like, I just need to know that each month I have something coming in that I can Mm -hmm. rely on and then I can do my passion for something else. But I think for a lot of people, the financial expectations, people don't really talk about it. And that was something when I was doing it by myself, I realized very quickly I don't, I think the uncertainty doesn't play into my anxieties. I think that's really good that you just said that though. Cause I think again, a lot of people come out of uni and they're like, oh, I just want to make money for myself, but it is hard. Like you, so you hard. don't, yeah, you don't have that stability. And I think I 
Ash and I both run our own businesses and we we genuinely like sometimes we're in a really great position sometimes we're like okay like where's the next lot of money coming from um like we've definitely had ups and downs but I literally watched my parents do that their entire life and my dad runs his own business my mom's made her own money so I like to think that if you continue to work hard, something good has to come. 100%. And and I've seen my parents like you with loads of money and with no money, and they've always made it through. And I'm probably getting a little bit deep here, but no. I just think if Ash and I tomorrow were to lose everything, we've we've still got each other and we're both hardworking, so we'd make it 100%. work. And that's why it doesn't scare me, because I've seen my parents lose everything and then stick together, you know, work their way back up. So I think I just have faith that we'd be okay. But again, that's through watching what my parents have done and that, you know, had maybe a different effect on you and you just want that stability. But yes, we are in a very privileged situation, but we work really, really hard. You guys work so hard. (laughs) And I just like hope that comes across to people because I don't want anyone to think that it's just a walk in the park. It's really not. It's so not. It's so not. It's so hard. And I know how hard you and Ash work and how successful you guys are because you work so hard. And I think if you want to do that, like go do it, like encouraging Mm -hmm. everyone, like that's the route that you want to take. That's great. And then also just trying to normalize for the people who are scared shitless by that, like me, which is like, and I'm not going to say it's cowardice because it's not cowardice. I think it's just my personality. I it was making me stress. Yeah, I was going to say, it goes back to what you said before. And it's like, literally, as long as you're happy doing what you're doing in life, that's what everyone else thinks. Like, it doesn't matter. It literally, you could be working at um, like a fruit and veg stall, like yeah. nine till one every day. You know, that's, as long as you're happy doing that, that is great. Keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just hope that people take away like whatever, like, different personality types Mm -hmm. need different jobs I think and when you enter a career like nutrition again there's so much opportunity do you want to work for an industry do you want to work for a hospital do you want to work for a clinic there's so much you want to work for yourself and you can you can actually do all of it like you can do a bit of everything and you Mm -hmm. just have to find out what makes you happy and what like matches your I don't know, matches your motivation. Yeah, I was going to say, you just, you have to work hard enough for it. It's not just going to happen. There's very few people in life, despite what Instagram might portray, who just get what they want and, you know, post a picture and it gets a million likes or whatever. You have, you have to, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. And a lot of the time people don't see that. Exactly. And even just like with our Instagrams, like if we do a sponsored post, that is because we negotiated that and we argued a fair price for our, like our work. It's not yeah. like brands are not willing to hand out money to us. Exactly. Like, that is a hard thing that we have to, you know, you have to figure out what your worth is and not to settle. And that's very hard to like turn a brand away because you're like, you're not paying me a fair market rate. Mm-hmm. Um, or as well, like I do just want to touch on don't just sell yourself out because the brand like I've I've turned down probably as many deals as I've said yes to because I don't feel like they're in line with my ethos or my page or my work and I know you've done the same yeah totally yeah so don't sell yourself out just for the money you you are going to have to say no if, if you really value yourself as a health professional yeah it's such a hard thing to navigate um and get yourself someone that you can be like what do you think about this like 
oh get yourself God, yes. someone that you can like talk to this <laughs> about because it is really hard to like make these decisions. It is um, yeah, because sometimes you are clouded by the amount that they're putting on it. One hundred. Like, can I get away with it? Can I do this? But yeah, like Barry said, talk to other health professionals, get a mentor, talk to your friends. Like, yeah, I think that's so important. And again, like you and I have very different careers. You would not be happy doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be happy doing what you're doing. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And just making sure that everyone understands that, like there is no one right way to be a nutritionist or dietitian. It comes in so many forms and just like everyone is so unique. You have to find your unique path. Yeah. And I just think happiness as well is it just, you have to be here because we're not in a profession that's ever going to make us like a millionaire. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. No one goes into nutrition thinking <laughs> exactly. that they're going to like, I'm in it for the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one goes in it for the money, which is like, yeah, you have to find ways to create it yourself or like, don't get me wrong. We make a, like a very fortunate, like nutritionists and dietitians, very fortunate in the, the market rate salaries that we make, but comes with a lot of education as well a lot of ongoing and those cpd days aren't always free no oh my god no that's so true that is so true the hour ones are normally free but like the proper hefty ones they they can be hundreds thousands thousands Yeah. yeah exactly so it is a very wide range of skills that you you get though yeah out of being a nutrition professional Yeah. And if you love it, it's a very satisfying role to be in because you are essentially helping and educating people, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Love that bit. And also like, there's so much room for you to evolve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of um, career. I wouldn't even say like career progression, but career growth in terms of like, yeah, you can always be, you could try something different tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Do we miss anything you think? I don't think so, but if people have any questions or want us to follow up, please do let us know. Because we did an episode talking about nutrition students actually and how to navigate your way in the industry when you leaving uni, and it went down really, really well. So yeah. if anyone wants us to do a follow up um, with more questions, then please do let us know. Yes, amazing. And if you haven't already, please go buy Sophie's ebook. It's not just for Aww. pregnant people. <laughs> And if you haven't already, please go order Forking Wellness on Amazon. (laughs) Yes, yes, that too. And amazing, we will be back next week. Bye, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.